Hello and welcome to Beyond the Page, a Life is Story podcast. I'm Josh Olds, and today I'm talking with Micah Wilder. Uh, Micah is the author of Passport to Heaven, a memoir about his time as a Mormon missionary that led to him discovering Jesus in a way that he'd never known before. Micah, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's great to be here, Josh. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I I want to begin, and like this is obviously this is your a memoir. It's your life story. It's your conversion story. Um, so we're going to be talking about a lot of the elements of the book through this interview. But just to begin, can you give us sort of an overview of your testimony and what the book is about? Yeah. So I was born and raised in a devout Mormon home. I spent my high school years in the state of Utah. My mother was a professor at BYU, and uh, and I was a very zealous uh, Latter-day Saint. I um, I had kind of an unparalleled a passion for this faith. I wanted to live it out. I was, I was, I was striving through my obedience to the laws and ordinances of Mormonism to establish right standing with God. And so I ended up serving a two-year mission for the Mormon Church in Orlando, Florida. And that's kind of the uh, the the meat and potatoes of my book is is the two years in which I was a Mormon missionary in Central Florida and the events and scenarios and people that God placed in my life that ultimately led me to the true and saving gospel of Christ. And so uh, it was early on in my two-year mission trip that I engaged a Baptist pastor uh, with the intent of converting him to the Mormon church. He responded to me with the gospel message, encouraged me to read the Bible, and then I kind of set out on this quest for the remainder of my mission trip uh, to, to see what the Bible had to say and how that aligned with my own faith. And I ended up reading the New Testament 12 times in a span of about 20 months, and um, that was what God used, uh, the power of His Word. And, uh, and He poured His love into my heart through the Holy Spirit, opened my eyes to the, the simple and, and beautiful gospel of Christ. I was born again while I was on my Mormon mission, and then I, I had to face the cultural and familial uh, repercussions of that newfound faith. And so my book... Uh, from beginning to end, is really not so much a a life story of mine as it is, you know, going from this zealous Mormon missionary who is who is kind of Pharisee of Pharisees as Saul of Tarsus to uh, a trophy of God's grace and the events over the course of my two-year mission that led to that ultimate transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I want to talk about just Mormonism in general because uh, if you in recent years then Mormonism has become increasingly identified uh, within the mainstream of Christianity. You know, you go back maybe 20, 30 years or so ago, and uh, Mormonism was seen as a cult. Uh, I think especially when Mitt Romney ran for president, then a lot of evangelical organizations just sort of stopped talking about Mormonism, uh, Latter-day Saints, in that way, and sort of embraced Mm -hmm. it. I remember, I think, uh, Billy Graham organization uh, took Mormonism off their like list of cults that they had on their website. Uh, so now, just to set, sort of set a foundation, having you having been in both worlds, um, what is it that separates Mormonism from Christianity? Yeah, so that's a very astute observation. I think the Mormon Church has, has definitely made a very concerted effort over the last, yeah, I would say, ten to fifteen years to really immerse themselves. Uh, into the body of Christ and, and to make themselves appear more orthodox in their faith. But but traditionally, 
uh, Mormonism is not uh, Orthodox Christianity. And, uh, and there are a few reasons. I'll give, just give some of the basics. Number one is their view of the nature of God. So in Mormonism, uh, the God that they know in a vow, he was not always God and, and has not always been God, but he actually progressed to become a God. And so they actually believe that God the Father was once a man uh, with flesh and bone living on a planet who, through the obedience, through obedience to the laws and ordinances of Mormonism, ultimately progressed to become God, and that we as mankind hold within ourselves that same potential to ourselves be God. And so really within their theological realm, they have actually millions if not billions of gods out there. Um, the other big one is the nature of Jesus. So in Mormon theology, Jesus himself is not God, and Jesus was not God from the beginning. Jesus was actually created by God the Father. He is a created being who established and earned his godhood through his obedience to God the Father in his earthly ministry. And so right from the onset, you have a different God and a different Jesus. Um, the other two things that are kind of unique to Mormonism, number one is that they believe in uh, modern-day revelation. So they actually believe that Jesus established a physical institutional organization during his earthly ministry, and he gave the apostles a unique authority, and that authority was necessary to perform saving ordinances such as baptism, the receiving of the Holy Spirit, and other ordinances that they deem necessary for eternal life. Well, after the apostles died, they claimed that this authority was lost from the earth and that there was an apostasy from the true Church of Christ, that the Bible itself was corrupted, and that essentially the true gospel was gone. Well, in the 1800s, Joseph Smith, who is the founder of Mormonism, he supposedly had a vision in which God and Jesus appeared to him, told him that all of the churches on earth were corrupt and that he was going to be called as a prophet with an equal authority to Moses and Abraham and Isaiah in the Old Testament, and that he would be used as a vessel to bring forth the true church of Jesus. And so they claim this exclusivity that they are the actual institutional organization Jesus established and that they alone have the, the prophetic authority to perform the necessary ordinances for salvation. So within that structure, they now believe that they have a prophet who is the president of the Mormon Church, as well as 12 apostles who have the same prophetic and apostolic authority as those in the New Testament and the Old Testament, and that they actually speak to God and for God to mankind, and they mediate. They, they also identify themselves as high priests. And so they have continuing revelation where the Bible canon is not closed, but they have continual revelation in which God is still giving new commandments, new revelation, new scripture, and new doctrine. And then the biggest one, or one of you know the other big ones, would be the method of salvation. Mormonism does not teach the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, that salvation is by grace uh, alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, but that Jesus' work on the cross uh, is only enabled in the life of an individual upon that individual's worthiness and obedience to specific laws and ordinances that can only be found within Mormonism. And so essentially it's a, it's a gospel of grace plus works equals salvation. And so you have to uh, be baptized by water, by the proper authority. You have to attend uh, the Mormon Church regularly. You have to have a testimony of the five pillars of the Mormon Church. You have to pay tithing to the Mormon Church. 
and you have to live certain moral codes, certain dietary codes, you have to attend the Mormon temple, and through a, a lifetime of faithfulness to following these commandments, then you uh, essentially earn your salvation or eternal life in the presence of God. So it's a, it's a different God, it's a different Jesus, and it's a different gospel, and, uh, and, and it certainly does not align with the Orthodox uh, Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to just sort of establish that at the outset, because this is not like, oh, I was Baptist and I became a Methodist, or I was Methodist and I became a Baptist. Right. You know, um, th- this is, um, you know, Jesus is still involved, and I think uh, the Mormon faith um, does um, use the New Testament and uh, does share some similarities with Christians culturally. And I think that's a large that's a large part of their identification with um, sort of the, the evangelical community. Um, what do 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 Mormons see themselves as being part of Christianity, or how how did you view yourself uh, when you were a Mormon? Did you did you think of Christians as being your fellows, or were they um, you know were they enemies, were they antagonists? What was your perspective on Christianity yeah. as a Mormon. Yeah, so so one of the common things I would hear, especially when I was a Mormon missionary, was that, you know, Mormonism was not Christian. And, and I would really just scoff at that because we would have believed that we were the actual only true Christians, mm-hmm. right? So we thought we were the true Christian church, the, the actual organization Jesus established. And so I always found that kind of befuddling that, that Christians would make that uh, accusation against us. I think the way that I would have perceived, and probably most Mormons would perceive Christians, is one of the common things that we to tell people as Mormon missionaries is is you have part of the truth, but we have the full truth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we would have seen them um, not necessarily as enemies, but just as people who didn't have the fullness of the truth. And so they had part of it. They believed Jesus and the Bible, but we believed that there was more to that. Uh, and so we could add to their faith. And so we kind of like we were the supreme Christians. Uh, we wouldn't have denied that other people were Christians other than they did not have the fullness of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And, and this is actually what led um, to your transformation was that you you sought out you sought out a challenge. Uh, you went you mm-hmm. went to a, a Baptist pastor uh, with the intention of of trying to convert him. To, to help him see the light and that, that you had the full truth. And how did that talk, – talk to me about that experience and, and how it defined um, what would happen in your life. Yeah. So there's there's three elements of my encounter with this Baptist pastor. His name was Alan Benson that, that really – I think are, are kind of pillars of, of what God did in my life to bring me to truth. Number one was, was Pastor Benson's um, engagement with us was, was, was filled with love and compassion. And that's such an important uh, element, and it's such a necessary part of the way that we engage with nonbelievers is it has to be centered in love. I mean, you know, like Paul said, if you, if you can have faith to move mountains, you can give up your body to be burned. But if you don't have love, then you're just a noisy gong and a clanging symbol. And so I had a lot of encounters with Christians as a Mormon missionary who, who really fit that description. You know, they mm-hmm. they professed to follow Jesus, but they, they were very unkind. They were uncompassionate. Uh, they weren't gentle and respectful in the way that they engaged with us. And so that was really the first thing about pastor. Benson um, that that was unique about him was that that he did engage with us in a genuine love. The second thing was that he 
shared the gospel with us. And so uh, as we were having this dialogue and this discussion, you know, Pastor Benson, he didn't go off on a tangent. You know, he didn't talk about the character of Joseph Smith or the history of the Mormon Church or a lot of these elements that I think people can address. And not that there's anything inherently wrong with that, but, you know, for him— you know, he recognized that, that the gospel is the power of God into salvation, right? So the only thing that could save me was the gospel. He knew that I was in darkness, and he knew that only the gospel of Christ could bring me to light. And so his response to us was just to keep it simple and to open up the Word of God, in particular, you know, center on the gospel revealed in the New Testament and just share with us verses from the Word of God and allow God's Word to speak for itself. And that was really powerful for me because— um, I couldn't refute that. You know, as he was reading, uh, you know, Ephesians chapter 2 and Romans chapter 3 and Galatians chapter 3 and 2 and, you know, all these things and, and Titus 3. And it was like there was this very clear message that I was starting to see uh, in the Bible. And, and I could see that that contradicted, you know, my faith. And so um, I think that was an important part of what he did was relied on the power of the Word of God and on the simplicity of the gospel. And then the third thing that he did uh, was that at the conclusion of our meeting, he gave me a challenge, and, and he said something really profound. He said, look, you don't have to trust me, and, and, and what an awesome and wise thing for a Christian to be able to say to a non-believer, I'm actually not asking you to trust me. Uh, I'm asking you to go to the source, and so he pointed me to the Bible, pointed me to the Word of God, and, and he challenged me to read the Bible like a child. And that, that kind of caveat of reading it like a child, I think what he meant by that was to approach God's Word without presuppositions, right? Without these preconceived mm -hmm. notions about what truth was according to what I had been taught in the Mormon Church, and just allow God to, to speak for himself through his Word. And so uh, so his approach to me has, has kind of become the template of my approach in ministry uh, to other people, to Latter-day Saints and to other non-believers, you know, showing them love and compassion, sharing the gospel of Christ, and then encouraging them to go to the Word of God, and um, and then trusting that God through his Word has that power to to bring, you know, the dead to life, as, as he did for me. Mm -hmm. So I think this brings a question of uh, how does—because Mormonism recognizes— the New Testament uh, believes it to be a word of God. Um, so there is this sense then of which you are already somewhat familiar with this book and with these teachings, but it, it's it's with the lens of it's with a Latter Day Saint lens to it. How how do Mormons view the Old and New Testaments and their place within Mormonism? And then I guess for you as you're reading the New Testament. What, what, what made you read it differently this time around and have this new perspective? Yeah. So it, as we talked about earlier, right? So Mormonism believes in modern day revelation, and so they have extra biblical scripture. Uh, the pinnacle of that scripture being the Book of Mormon, mm -hmm. which Joseph Smith brought uh, brought about. And so the way that we viewed the Bible was that the Bible was part of the gospel, but it didn't contain the fullness of the gospel. It, it was corrupted, it had been mistranslated, and it actually says in the Book of Mormon that many plain and precious truths have been removed from the Bible. And so we believe there, there's actually an article of faith in Mormonism, so it's one of their core you know, uh, doctrines of faith. It says, we believe the Bible to be the Word of God as far as it is translated correctly. Well, the problem is that 
they don't ever tell you exactly what has and has not been translated correctly. And so I think that most Mormons, and, and myself included at the time, we wouldn't have put the Bible uh, at the top of our you know, religious canon because we were uncertain as to whether or not it could fully be trusted. So I had read parts of the Bible, I'd read much of the Bible, but I'd never put all of my emphasis and focus in the Bible because I believed that the Book of Mormon had a, a fuller gospel and, and, and would get me closer to God than the Bible would. So naturally, I focused on the Book of Mormon. So when I began reading the Bible as a Mormon missionary, uh, as a result of Pastor Benson's challenge, I, I don't really know that I initially approached it with a different mindset. I mean, honestly, my mindset initially was, I thought the book, or I thought the Bible was simply going to prove Mormon doctrine to be true, uh, and I thought, well, this is the true church, therefore it'll be easily um, provable through, you know, the New Testament. So I, I didn't really, I didn't really approach it in the way that Pastor Benson told me initially. Um, so as to your second question, I, I've I've had that question several times, and, and I don't have a good answer for it, mm-hmm. because it was not a conscious choice for me to see it differently. It, it was like, the more that I read the Bible, the more I trusted the Bible as authoritative, if that makes sense. Uh, it wasn't in a studious or an apologetic decision in which I started to study why I could trust the Word of God. It was like, there there is this inherent power within God's Word, and that power began to make itself manifest in my mind and, and in my heart. And so for some reason, it was like the Holy Spirit, through God's Word, shifted my focus and, and allowed me to trust God's Word and, and, to, and to believe in it, even when it got to the point where I was seeing that doctrines within the, the Bible were contradicting doctrines of Mormonism. I, I, I immediately and fully trusted what I was reading in the Word of God over what, uh, what was in Mormon Scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and the only thing I can say to that is just the, that's the grace of God you know, in my life, yeah. that, that for some reason He, you know, he was drawn me to himself, and he was opening my eyes and revealing this truth to me uh, so that I could see the light of the gospel of glory of Christ. But it, it definitely was not a conscious decision. Uh, it, was a, it was a spiritual you know, manifestation through the Word of God. Mm-hmm. So you get to this point where you are actively a Mormon missionary, you're doing your, your two-year mission, and you are slowly becoming less convinced of what you are there to to yeah, on mission for um yeah. when when did you find yourself at the crossroads of just being like i i can't keep doing this like there there has to be uh, you know this is this is overwhelming i have to confess christ yeah so the process was was incredibly gradual. So God was very slowly, you know, planting seeds in my heart through His Word. So I was seeing, you know, little things uh, that were adding up, but I didn't realize they were adding up. Mm-hmm. And so it really wasn't until the very end of my two-year mission, when I had just a few weeks left, um, that, that the straw kind of broke the camel's back. And and for me, the the doctrinal revelation that that brought me to that point was actually reading the Book of Hebrews. And it was this this kind of epiphany where I was reading Hebrews seven, eight, nine, and ten, and and, and to summarize that, essentially, you know, the the writer of the Hebrews, the entire purpose of the book is to show the supremacy of Christ to all other things, right, and the sufficiency and the fulfillment in Christ of all the other things, especially the old law. And so I realized that all of these elements of the old law 
that we adhered to in Mormonism and that were foundational to our faith, right? The temples and the high priests and the priesthood and the prophets and the ordinances and all these things, that they were all a type and a shadow that were pointing us to their fulfillment within the reality to come. And of course, that reality was Jesus. And so this message of Hebrews 7 through 10 is that all of these elements were fulfilled and completed and annulled in the finished and completed and accomplished work of Jesus Christ alone. And that he was the high priest. He was the offering. He was, he is now the prophet. He, um, you know, sat down at the right hand of the Father and eternally mediates our cause that, that he actually is the temple of God and that we now as the body of Christ become God's temple, houses of the Holy Spirit. So all of these uh, physical elements in the old law, they had a spiritual reality that was fulfilled in Christ. And once I recognized that, then I could clearly see, well, the, the whole foundation of my church and of this faith is something that has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ alone. And therefore I realized I don't need all of these other things. I only need Jesus. And that was kind of the, the, the terrifying moment for me where I recognized that Mormonism at its core was false and that foundation was, was cracked uh, under me. And, and that was a scary thing because I knew that I couldn't ever go back. You know, you can't undo that. You can't, you can't undo uh, right, right. the sight that God gives you after you've been blind. And so then you have to, you know, then you have to make the decision as to, as to what you're going to do about it. Mm-hmm. And, then, and this is a, you know, a major paradigmatic shift for you because it's not like, it, it, there are some people that it's just like, okay, well, I attended this church and now I choose to attend this other church. And it's just as simple as like, I stopped yeah. going. Um, but for you, this is, this is your life. You know, this is your family. Yeah. Uh, this is, you know, your, your support system, uh, almost in its entirety. Uh, so there, you know, when you're saying I have to rely on Christ alone, you are literally saying I have to rely on Christ alone because this is going yeah. to mean contradicting every positive thing that I've had in my life up until now. Um, what right. what was the reaction of your family, your friends, uh, the leaders in your church when you made this public profession of faith? Yeah, and like you said, I mean, Mormonism is so cultural, right? Mm-hmm. So, so similar to say Catholicism or or you know Islam, Judaism, it's it's so cultural, and so it doesn't just affect you know your 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 the the location that you attend church on a Sunday morning. It affects your your life, and so for me, it was family, it was friends, it was uh, you know education through BYU, it was my my reputation, just the cult I had known and loved, and so. Um, when I came forward to to my friends and my family and my culture about this change that had taken pl- place in my life, I mean, it 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 it, it was met with devastating loss. Um, you know, many relationships were severed immediately. Most of my friends and colleagues and people that I had known and loved for for several years uh, immediately cut me out of their lives. Uh, my family, um, thanks be to God, they didn't do that. They never they never ostracized me. I think they were more curious. Um, and, and, and maybe disappointed, I, I think would describe my parents' reaction initially. Um, because, I mean, it, it's an embarrassment to them, mm-hmm. you know, that their prized Mormon son was, was essentially an apostate and was denying, you know, the principal pillars of the faith in which they had so zealously and faithfully raised us in. 
And so for them, it was somewhat of a, of a slap in the face. And, and I, and I understand that, you know, I'm, I'm a father now. If my son came to me and, and admitted that he was now an atheist and this is why Christianity is wrong. I mean, that would be, I would be disappointed. It would be heartbreaking. And so I, I, I recognize that and understand that it was a very difficult thing for them to hear. Um, but through all that, they never, they, they never cut me out of their lives. And they, I think out of curiosity wanted to know why. Why was I willing to give up the faith that I had always known and loved? And so that curiosity uh, allowed them to go to the Word of God as well and to, and to read the Bible and to see that there was something different within the Word of God than you know, that which was professed in Mormonism. And so uh, there was really a, a myriad of responses that I got from different people. Uh, you know, some vehemently uh, rejected me and others uh, you know, curiously listened, and others, like my high school Mormon girlfriend, uh, were completely open to the message. My, my older brother and my younger sister were completely open to the message, and all fairly soon, within a few months, came to saving faith after me. Uh, my parents eventually and ultimately came to saving faith as well. My mother um, left her job at BYU, and they found the sufficiency in Jesus Christ alone and gave up their, their very comfortable uh, lives of Mormonism in the state of Utah and moved to Florida in their mid-50s and, and were born again and, and started all over. And so it's just, uh, you know, it's miraculous to think about how powerful the gospel message is and, and how it changes the lives of, of the unbelievers, and, and, and it changes the lost. And I think that we, we too often as Christians have this mentality, well, God, God's not going to save a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness you know, or, or a, a Muslim or whatever. And there's like these people groups that are kind of on the fringe, and we just kind of like kind of say to ourselves, well, they're, they're beyond the reaches of God's grace. And, uh, and we hope that our testimonies are you know, an encouragement to Christians to say, like, wow, it's because faithful Christians like Pastor Benson shared the gospel with me when I was a Mormon that I am now standing in the grace of God, and that that is our joy and our duty as followers of Christ is to share the gospel, even to those difficult-to-reach people groups, and to have that faith that God can, can change their hearts as well. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I have always appreciated about Mormonism Uh, is that there does seem to be this zeal for their faith Mm. um what and and, you know some of the nicest some of the nicest most hospitable people i know um come from a mormon background or or are professing mormon um are there elements of lds that you look at and you're like you know not necessarily in terms of doctrine, but maybe in terms of practice, where you say, you know, Christianity could really learn from this. Like, what what positive elements do you see that, you know, we could learn from, that we could make ties to, uh, to develop, um, you know, community with Mormons and understand them better? Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, Mormons in general have a tremendous zeal, um, and, and I admire that zeal, honestly. Um, but like Paul said to the to the Romans in chapter 10, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So if we have if we have knowledge, right, we have the saving knowledge of the righteousness found in Jesus Christ alone, we should have a zeal like the Mormons, or really we should have a greater zeal. And so that's something that I think we can really learn from their community. Um, 
is that sense of zeal to, to really faithfully and obediently live out their faith on a daily basis. And I think Mormons are, 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 are wonderful examples of that. Um, certainly their, um, you know, their, their dedication to morality, to, to family, to community, uh, you know, all those things that even biblically, you know, Paul, you know, encourages us to do in the Word of God. You know, I think those are things that are admirable as well. Um, that, that sense of community and, and unity in their faith, you know, I think sometimes can, can, can be missing within the body of Christ, and, uh, and, and it's sometimes missing, you know, for us. And the other thing is, you know, their, their kindness, right? Like, like you mentioned, like they are some of the most hospitable people uh, group that you could ever meet. And, and sometimes as Christians, you know, we can be abrasive and we can be uh, judgmental and we can be self-righteous, right? And, and, and we can uh, not exude that kindness and that, and that compassion and that gentleness that we are called to do uh, as Christians and, and to love one another as Christ has loved us. And so I think those are definitely qualities that are, that are wonderful within the Mormon Church. And that's also why when, when Mormons come to faith in Jesus, a lot of them are some of the most incredible Christians, you know. Uh, they, 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 they shift that zeal, right? When, when, when Saul of Tarsus, uh, you know, had his revelation on the road to Damascus, I mean, you, you saw the zeal. That zeal just shifted from, from, you know, serving the God that he thought that he knew and loved to the true God um, and to Jesus Christ. And so I, I see that a lot with former Mormons who become Christian is they carry that zeal over to their Christian faith, and they're very devout and, and, and want to live it out and want to love others and want to share the truth. And, uh, and I think that's, those are all things that we can learn from as, as Christians. Mm-hmm. Now, your book does have an epilogue, but the main story ends, I, I think, around 2006. So that's um, that's mm-hmm. still a while ago. You know, that's f- fifteen years mm-hmm. of story that you've not told. Um, what what have you been doing? What ministry have you been? What has God been teaching you in that last decade and a half? Yeah. So. Um... Uh, I helped found a ministry in 2006, and we actually really started as a band, as a Christian band. And there were five of us. We were all former Mormons. And uh, God had changed our hearts and opened our eyes to the gospel, and we wanted to use uh, our common gifts of music to share uh, Scripture. And so we really started this focus of taking the Bible and taking the Word of God and putting it into song, which, you know, we saw there's plenty of Christian artists and bands and things out there, but not a lot of people are really putting Scripture into music. And so that kind of became the focus of what we did uh, after having been together for a few years. And after we had kind of grown in the knowledge and grace of Christ and been more equipped and seasoned in our faith, we then began to go out and travel uh, and share our testimonies. And, and we made that kind of an equal part of our ministry, which is to testify to the gospel of the grace of God, to share our stories in a way that can encourage and equip Christians, uh, you know, to be faithful witnesses of the gospel and to go out and fulfill the Great Commission. And so that's what we've been doing for the last uh, 15 years. Our membership has changed. There's three guys now. Uh, one of them is my older brother um, uh, who, who got saved. Uh, another one is a missionary that I served with uh, throughout the course of my mission, uh, Joseph Warren. And then our fourth member, her name is Lila LeBaron. She is from the LeBaron Polygamous Group in northern Mexico, which is a whole other story. Um, but God's brought us all into the grace of God. And so um, yeah, so that's been our heart, and so we're currently on the road right now in the state of Utah, actually traveling and sharing the gospel, and uh, and and taking the the good news to the lost, and uh, 
In addition to that, uh, we own and operate a tent making ministry. You know, as Paul was a tent maker to provide his own personal uh, living expenses, we actually own and operate a historic hotel in Winter Garden, Florida. And so that's what kind of covers all of our living expenses so that we can go out and preach the gospel for free. So we have no fees. Uh, we give away our music for free. We don't have any uh, requirements from the body of Christ to sustain us. We we um, trust in God to do that, and we have our own personal sustainment as well through our business. And so, uh, yeah, so that's our heart. Um, I got married to my high school girlfriend. Uh, she came to Saving Faith in Jesus. We've been married for almost 16 years. Um, we have three kids. I've got a freshman in high school, an eighth grader, and a sixth grader uh, sons. And yeah, it's just been amazing to see how this this process of growth and sanctification in Jesus is is, is continual, mm-hmm. and that day by day and week and, and every month and every year, I'm, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm maturing in in the Word of God, and that you know even after reading the Bible 12 times as a Mormon missionary and all the times I've read it since, I still you know have that hunger for God's Word daily, and, and that it, it feeds me and and it and satisfies me, and I'm, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for Christ and what he did in my life and the grace that he showed me. And, and I want other people to, to find that freedom, you know, that we've found in Jesus Christ alone. Yeah. Uh, well, Micah, I want to thank you for your testimony, for your time, for your ministry, for everything that you've been doing. It's obvious that, um, you know, when, when God saves us, uh, he doesn't save us for later. Uh, he saves us for now and he gives us a purpose and a calling. He's done that in your life and uh, he's used your life story to be this great testimony of his grace and, and his, his power. Uh, so again, the, the book is Passport to Heaven, the true missionary, the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers the Jesus he never knew. It's from Harvest House, and it's now available um, in, in bookstores and Amazon um, and wherever, wherever you get your books. I'm sure you can find it. So, Micah, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate you having me.